What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, and I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about what the Bible teaches about self-defense. As I said in the show notes, this is a topic that comes up three or four, maybe five times a year. And quite frankly, it probably needs to be covered as many times as it comes up. Because there's always going to be factions in society that try to rob people of their God-given rights. There's always going to be people trying to oppress, and there's always going to be wicked and evil people trying to prey on the naivety of the masses. Folks, God never intended for a person to be harmless. God intended for people to be dangerous and have that under control and use that ability to protect the oppressed, the downtrodden, the disenfranchised. And that may be a podcast for another day. But we are going to talk about the Christian in self-defense. Hello, it's good to see everybody. Yesterday, I, I went back and listened to some of my podcasts, and I didn't realize that I never explained the second link. The second link that I placed in the chat was a link to a video entitled Drag Kids. Why people are upset about drag queens and kids. And it is from a homosexual man. But he is enraged at how these predators are preying upon children. And he is enraged about how these pedophilic predators are allowed to dress up as bourgeois women, sex workers, and come into a library and read to children, and then on top of that, teach children how to twerk and how to be drag queens. It is a very well put together video essay, and I recommend everyone watching it, even as sick as it's going to make you feel. As Christians, we cannot afford to hide our head in the sands. We cannot afford to be naive. We have to meet this threat head on. And we have to preach the word and be instant in season and out of season. We have to reprove, rebuke, and exhort because it seems that the time has come that people will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lust, heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears, folks. We've got some issues. Anyway, my suggestion is watch that video in its entirety. But um, the other uh, link that I put in the live stream today is the next article that's actually behind a paywall. It's for our premium subscribers, and it's Keywords in Romans. It's by Aaron Dotson. It was supposed to drop tomorrow morning, but there was some wires crossed with the scheduling and it is live now. 
But in order to have access to it in its entirety, you'll have to sign up for the $5 a month um, uh, subscription. But if you don't have a $5 a month subscription, you can do a trial subscription that I think gets you access to the things behind the paywall for a week and let you decide whether or not that's something for you. Anyway, hello, good to see you. Um, that's right, Sue Ross, actually making a live podcast. I'm glad you're here. Hello, Scott Beck, Reginald Perry, Dinah Harden, Rob Leedy. Good to see everybody. Um, happy Friday to all. That's it. All right. So let me let me talk about Christians and self-defense. Good morning, Debbie Mangus. Good to see you. First off, I, I've I've really flopped on this subject for a while. I was thinking that Christians while probably not being to the extreme, while probably not going so far to the extreme as being pacifist, at least Christians probably should not carry deadly weapons and probably should not use extreme prejudice in defense of one's home or one's um, person or loved ones. Well, that's just not the case. First off, it has always been understood from the very beginning that a person has the right to protect what is theirs. God gives us stewardship of certain things, and we have the right to protect what God gives us and the things that we have and protect our loved ones. In fact, there is an argument to be made that a person who will not protect or provide for his own, which protection would be in there, that he's worse than an infidel. And and if you're a woman, listen to this. I want you to think of what you would think about your husband if a mugger came up and he was like, oh, well, you know, I'm, and he ran away and left you to fend for yourself because we can't commit any kind of violence. That's crazy. I mean, first off, it would be very hard to have respect for that man quite frankly. Or what if the, what if the mugger come up and said, okay, give me your jewelry, give me your money, give me your phones. And he took everything. And then your husband just being so compliant, the mugger looks at you and says, now I want you to give me her body and I'm going to pleasure myself with her body. And then I'll leave. At what point is violence okay? At what point in that scenario do you think your man should step in and neutralize that threat, and how much force should he use to neutralize that threat? Well, that's on that's the topic of discussion for today. All too often I hear the world say that Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek. Yeah, and the people that, that try to hold Christians to that, and say that you have no right to defend yourself are the people that are trying to strike us on the other cheek. Um, turning the other cheek has nothing to do with self-defense. The scripture about turning the other cheek has to do with the law of retaliation, lex talionis. If, if, I'm, if I come home, and I find everything in my house of value stolen. And then I look on my security camera. Let's say I have a ring camera. 
and I see that it's that it's Bob Johnson down the road. And I know Bob Johnson. I know where he lives. If I go down there to Bob Johnson and I shoot him in the head and I take my stuff back, I'm going to jail for murder. I have violated the scriptures because I have retaliated. I have I have sought vengeance. Now, if I come home and I find my door ajar and I walk in the house and I see Bob Johnson trying to take my stuff and in the process of running him off, I have to shoot him. Well, that's justified. That doesn't fall under the category of turn the other cheek. That falls under the category of when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. And give me just a second. I'll give you. Give me just a second. I'll give you that passage of scripture. That's a proverb Jesus used. Luke 11, 21 through 26, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. Now, in the context, the idea is when a stronger comes, he's going to have to bind him up. And we can look in the context and see what that means. But that proverb, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace, that can be lifted out of its context and applied universally. In other words, the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach there doesn't make any sense unless it is a foregone conclusion that a strong man has the right to go armed and protect his palace and, and everything therein. Men shouldn't be letting their wives pump their own gas. It's dangerous at gas stations, and men should make sure her car has gas in it at all times, if at all possible. Yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely, yeah. But, and, and that's another thing, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, Men and women need to really think differently in their certain surroundings. Um, you know, my wife, so my, we have a vehicle, and then my son has a vehicle, but my wife drives my son's vehicle quite a bit. She, that means she's going to be in it by herself to get gas. She makes sure that she gets gas at a gas station during the daytime, and she makes sure that she don't have to stop and get gas in the bad part of town. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just the way things have to be. Her other option is letting me know when she's out of gas and I go to the gas station and get gas for her, which is a viable option. Um, that's it. Yeah, some of some of us don't have men to do things like that for me. Absolutely, Sue Ross, and that's why I said, you know, you have to keep your head on a swivel. You have to You have to use your discernment. And quite frankly, if you're a woman, you need an equalizer. Because men are bigger, stronger, faster, and meaner, and you need something that's going to equalize that because you don't want to be a victim. Anyway, all right, so Luke eleven twenty one through 26, regardless of the context, we can pull that proverb out. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a maxim, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace as good or at peace. Um what Jesus was teaching there wouldn't make any sense unless it was a foregone conclusion, unless it was a truth that a strong man had the right to be armed and keep his palace. Um, that's it. I'm typically armed, but I still plan out where and when I gas up. Absolutely. And that again, I don't know. I don't know who you are, man, woman or not. Well, that's a stupid thing to say. Obviously you're either a man or you're a woman, but my point is, 
Doesn't matter who you are, even me as a man. I plan out where I'm going to get fuel. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I make sure that it's not, you know, like, like if it's, if it's late at night, I make sure I go get fuel in a place that's well lit. You know, you don't beg for trouble. I don't have anyone to do it for me either, but I pay attention to my surroundings and go into the, and go in in the daytime and in front of the store windows, never off to the side. Absolutely. All right. So back to the, back, back to the idea of, of the Christian and self-defense. Um, yeah, turning the other cheek has nothing to do with self-defense and everything to do with the law of retaliation. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit because we've got three passages of scripture uh, to talk about. One of them is the Matthew 5, 38 and 39. But the New Testament scriptures we're going to look at is Matthew 5, 38 through 39, Luke 22, specifically 36, and then Romans 13, 1 through 4. But there is a couple of passages in the Old Testament that we need to consider because I'm going to tell you why I had a problem with this topic for such a long time. It had less to do with an aversion to, towards violence and more to do with how people whom I think might not have the gumption to do violence, or at least might not have ever thought about the ramifications of violence, they brag awful loudly, awfully loudly about the violence they would do. For instance, I grew up in this environment, um, Anytime the wrong person come up for election, they started taking about, well, we're going to, they're going to take our guns. And then people would say, well, I'd like to see them send the government at my house to take my guns. I'm like, well, Mr. Christian, Romans 13 is still in the Bible. What, what are you going to do if the, if the government shows up to take your weapons, you understand you just threatened to kill people over the government coming and taking your property. Now, I, I get it. That's fine if that's what you if that's the stance you're going to take. But do you realize that's the stance you took? You know, I don't know what I would do in that situation, to be honest with you. Um, I think I would practice subterfuge with the government. Um, all of the all of the guns that I own. Um with the exception of one can they, they cannot be traced to me at all. In other words, nobody knows that I own them with the exception of one. Of course, I don't have any here in Canada, but back home, if we were to move back home and I were to take, if I were to take possession of my firearms, uh, the government can only prove that I own one. I suppose if the government showed up to my door, that'd be the one that I give them. And I just keep my mouth shut about everything else. I wouldn't lie because that's a sin. But the point is, so you're, you think it's cool to threaten death? I don't get that. I, I think maybe we need to be very, very careful exactly how we come off when we talk about this, because I think sometimes we can come off as, well, Christians have a right to, uh, take a human life in self-defense and I kind of hope it happens soon. Like I'm just looking for an excuse. I don't think we need to come off like that. And I think for a while, some folks did. 
the most important, yeah, the, 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 the most important self-defense tool is between your ears. And the second most important is on the end of your legs. It's your feet, folks. The, the, best, the best thing to practice for self-defense is the 40-yard dash. Yell really, really loud and run as fast as you can go. And, and anyway, that's, we, we're not going to get into that. That's, um, all right. Now there's an interesting passage of scripture in Exodus 22 folks. I'm going to read this and I'm going to tell you what I think it means. And I'm going to tell you what other folks think it means. Maybe you can tell me what you think it means. Starting in verse 2 of Exodus 22, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, I tell you what some people think it means. They think that this suggests that there's a distinction between daytime and nighttime defense situation in one's home. And the implication is that in darkness where intentions and threats might be unclear, lethal force is more justifiable. And in daylight, we need to have a baseline presumption toward non-lethal intent, and therefore we need to use non-lethal means to neutralize that threat because the threat can be more accurately assessed. Folks, I don't, maybe, maybe that's what it means. It certainly sounds like it. Um, now that I've read it out loud, now that I've explained it, I think that's what I think. But let me tell you what I'm thinking before. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall be no blood be shed. So that's, that's, that's your golden standard. So if you break into somebody's house and you, and, and they kill you, then, then you don't, then the next of kin is not going to be able to come after you. But if the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. What I take this to be is if a thief comes in, breaks in your house and absconds with your valuables, and the next day when the sun rises, you find him, if you kill him then and take away your take take back your valuables, then you better hightail it to a city of refuge because his next of kin has the right to practice the law of retaliation. Again, I don't think either one harms the text. And I think implicit in both interpretations. And you you might tell me in the chat which one you think. Um, I'm certainly not going to argue with you because I don't know. I think it works both ways. And once I read it out loud, I kind of, anyway, I'm going to stop there. You know, um, I think implicit in this, though is that it is a very grave thing to take a human life, even in defense of your own self. So it's not something that should be entered into lightly. It 
it changes you for the rest of your existence on this earth. Now, let's go into Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, but man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Folks, human life is sacred. It doesn't matter if you got a thief breaking into your home, if you got something trying to somebody something or somebody trying to kill you. If you got somebody trying to kill you, somebody breaking into your home, even if they you even if you know for a fact they're they're intending to do you harm and to kill you. That's a precious soul for whom Christ died. Your decision should not be made lightly in how to proceed. And I think when we talk about this, we are so far removed from the actual scenario and the dirty business of what it takes to neutralize a threat in that situation that I think we come across almost it's kind of rubbing our fingers and we're like, oh, yeah, we get to shoot somebody. I think we need to be very careful that we don't come across that way. Because each soul is precious in the eyes of the Lord. And it is a travesty indeed when one is snuffed from this existence and then they enter into the place for which there is no hope. They can have my stuff, but they aren't going to hurt me or mine. That's a, that's a very fair line of demarcation, very fair line of demarcation. And I understand why you would hold that. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the turning the other cheek. Let me, let me cover it again, because now I want to look at these three passages of scripture in the new Testament. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do these out of order. I'm going to do Matthew 5, Romans 13, then Luke 22, all right? You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. So again, this is, this is the principle or the law, I would say. It's as strong as law of non-retaliation in personal offenses. Now, some people, as Scott Beck said in the comment section, they interpret this as a call from Jesus to pacifism. And it's challenging the notion of using lethal, lethal force even in self-defense. But again, this is not... Remember, Jesus... now. I, put on your abstract thinking caps with me, please. What Jesus says here comes forward in the New Testament, but the explanation that he gives needs to be interpreted from the lens of the Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus and the people speaking with him all lived under the Old Testament. So you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the law of lex talionis. That's the law of retaliation. I'm telling you folks, though, if, somebody's, if somebody does something so insulting to you 
as to smite you on your right cheek. Don't be so jaded and don't be so quick for vengeance. Turn the other to them. Don't be so jaded. Don't don't look for vengeance. Now, this cannot be talking about self-defense. This cannot be talking about uh, pacifism because under the covenant which Jesus lived and these people to whom he spoke, that covenant did not call for pacifism because we go right back to Exodus chapter 22 and clearly in verse 2, if a thief breaks into your house, you have the right to kill them. So I cannot interpret Matthew 5, 38 through 39 in that light. In other words, it's got to mean something besides pacifism. So what's the easiest explanation? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go there. I'm going to turn there in my in my New Testament. Uh, Matthew 5. And let's read it in its larger context. Because I think I think it might help us if we read more than just those two verses. Um, well, where is it? Yeah. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law, take away thy and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whomsoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You see, we don't ever read that in its full context. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be a little crass here, so forgive me, please, in advance. If you get screwed over a time or two, don't be so jaded that you can't trust anybody going forward. If you get screwed over a time or two, don't be so jaded that you guard yourself to the point that you'll never be vulnerable again because then that's not any kind of way to live and you enter into a certain kind of hell. But what it doesn't have to do is pacifism. It doesn't have anything to do with pacifism, and it doesn't have anything to do with self-defense. All right. Number next, Romans 13. Uh, This is a big one. Look, self-defense and vengeance are two different things. Remember the scenario. If I come home and all of the things of value in my house are stolen, If I see on my ring camera that old Bob Johnson down the road took it, if I go and find him and 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 in the process of getting my stolen merchandise back, he loses his life, then I will be tried for murder. And in fact, that is exactly, I believe, exactly what Exodus 22 is teaching. If you catch somebody in the middle of doing it, then then you they forfeit their life if that's what it takes. 
But if you don't catch them in the act and you find them the next day, and if you kill them then, then that's vengeance. And then what do we have? Well, we know in Romans 12, the very end of it. Well, just listen to it. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Well, what is the place that should be given to wrath? It's God. Give it to God. It's not your right. You you are not an avenger. Tony Brewer is not an avenger. (laughs) <laughs> Tony Brewer's not an Avenger. Captain America is an Avenger. The Hulk is an Avenger. Tony Brewer is not. Ant-Man is an Avenger. I'm sorry. I'll try not to do that anymore. Anyway, God Almighty is the Avenger. All right? So as I'm reading this, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. If I come home and all my stuff is stolen, and I see that Bob Johnson did it, and I go down there and talk to Bob Johnson, instead of roughing him up or killing him and getting my stuff back, I need to partner with law enforcement and then let law enforcement get my stuff back. And then if Bob Johnson is destitute of this world's good, I'm to help him. That's Matthew 5. That's what we're supposed to do with the law. Is there, uh, yes, is there any correlation with Jesus sending out the 12 basically unequipped for self-defense without staff, for example? Um, Well, Jesus did not send out his uh, uh, disciples for the great commission without an, a, an ability to defend themselves. He did send them out on the limited commission. He sent the 70 without purse, without script. And we're going to look at, and we're going to look at that in the book of Luke. That's going to be the last, this is going to be the last passage we look at. Uh, sometimes I think it comes down to common sense. Acting in the heat of the moment, being attacked is totally different from going out to take the law into mine own hands after the fact. That right there, that that Sue Ross, you have succinctly summed up the entirety of the show. That's it. Sometimes I think it comes down to common sense. Acting in the heat of the moment of being attacked is totally different from going out to take the law into my own hands. I keep saying mine, into my own hands after the fact. You got that right. Incidentally, let me do these captions. Uh, Folks, we're on the road to monetization. We need 500 subscribers. We've got 168. If you would go subscribe to Christianity Now streams on YouTube, that would be awesome. And incidentally, go subscribe to Christianity Now streams on YouTube. Once you subscribe, you'll see the notification bell, punch that, and go to the Christianity Now streams on YouTube, look at the playlist labeled podcast, and 
just hit the playlist and let her play in the background. That would be great. All right. Um, but Scott Beck, we're going to talk about Luke uh, 22 here in a minute. I'm getting to Romans 13. So, therefore, verse 20 of Romans 12, If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, if 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 somebody smites you, turn the other cheek. Don't retaliate. Inasmuch as, as in you live at peace with all men, give place unto the wrath. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. But if vengeance needs to be taken, in other words, Bob Johnson down there got my stuff. Listen, this is Romans 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Well, why? Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Why? For he, this ruler, the powers that be, is a servant minister, servant of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. What sword would that be? It's the sword of vengeance, folks. Give place unto wrath. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And God delegates that to his institution of society, the government. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. You see, self-defense is not vengeance. If I come home and all my stuff is gone and Bob Johnson down the road stole it, I've got to partner with the government to make that right. But if I come home and Bob Johnson is in my house and he's absconding with my valuables, then I have a right to stop it. And that's been since time immemorial. Okay? Now, Luke twenty two thirty six. I'm going to lick my finger and turn left and go back to Luke 22, 36. Luke 22. Well, there it is. Verse 35 is where we're going to start. Hello, sword and pearl. It's good to see you this morning, afternoon. Day. It's good to see you this day. All right. Verse 35. And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? Now, this is back to the limited commission when he sent out the 70. Basically, he said, Hey, you 70, I'm giving you some power to do some stuff and I'm going to send you out. But you don't don't take a possible's bag. Don't take any money. Don't even take any shoes. Did you lack anything when I told you that? No, we didn't lack anything. 
Verse 36. Then said he unto them, but now this is an adversarial conjunction conjoining what he did under the limited commission to what he's going to do under the great commission. And it's adversarial. It's different. It's, it's opposite. It's, it's not the same, but now he that hath a purse, in other words, you got some money, you better take it. And likewise, his script, that's a possible's bag. That's a, that's a bag that contains stuff that you might possibly need. Okay. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Folks, this is get this is this is told to every single individual that's there. So there's an argument that's made from this that doesn't make any sense, but it is specious because it sounds good in the beginning. All right, listen. Now the the word the verse thirty seven begins with the Greek word gar for. It means. It means what I'm about to tell you informs what I just told you. All right. But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. Likewise, his script and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one because I say unto you that this is written, that it must be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. So basically saying, look, they're going to consider you criminals and crooks. Now, why in the world do you think he said, arm yourself with swords? Do you think, do you think in the context of they're going to consider you criminals and crooks? He needs his apostles and disciples out there spreading the gospel. And if the state or anybody tries to stop them, it is so important that they do their job that they are authorized to use the force behind a sword, a military-grade weapon. The word is the same word that's used in Romans chapter 13 of the military-grade weapon sword. He's saying every one of you needs to get a sword because you're going to need it. You're going to have to use it. Now, listen to this. This is, this is the specious argument. Well, verse 38, and they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Now, to hear the pacifist speak about this, two out of 12 is enough. Jesus is not a schizophrenic. He just said, I sent you out before, and I said, don't take any money. Don't take any possible bags. Don't even take any shoes. Did you lack anything? No, we didn't lack anything. Well, now it's going to be different. Now I'm going to send you out. You need to take your possibles bag. You need to take your money. And in fact, if you don't have a sword, it's more important for you to have a sword than it is for you to have this garment. Oh, well, we've got two swords right here. Two out of 12. Oh, that's, an, that's enough. That's fine. Yeah. That's the height of foolishness. That's not, that's not how anybody interprets anything that anyone has ever said. The King James uses the word enough. 
when you look at the word in the original language, meat, M-E-E-T, is how it's translated elsewhere. What Jesus was saying is, hey, we've got two swords. Right here they are. Jesus says, yeah, those are the kind. Those are enough. It is enough. That sword that you have is adequate to the task that I had in mind whenever I said, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. He's not telling them that two out of 12 is enough. He's telling them that the particular sword that Peter and evidently some other apostle had, that that was the kind that they needed. It would be the same thing today as me and 10 other, 11 other people. And I'm like, hey, listen, we're going to have to go secure this building. And if you don't have a weapon, you need to uh, go get a weapon. Well, here we have this, uh, this AR-15. Oh, yeah, that'll work. Well, they only had one. I'm not saying that out of all 12 of us, we just need one AR-15 to go secure a building. I'm saying that that's what you need, so everybody now needs to go leave and get one. You see, Jesus authorized his apostles to go out on the great commission. He didn't authorize them. He commanded them, get a sword. You're going to have to take care of yourself. And here's the ways that you're able to do it. Now, how in the world does that come forward to a quote unquote regular disciple? Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is the important part. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So um, the apostles go out. They preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe, so on and so forth. All that happens. And then in the first century, uh, Hezekiah Jones is baptized into Christ, raised again to walk in newness of life, and he continues steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. And one thing he learns from an apostle is, hey, you need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's great. What do I need to carry? Well, I'll carry what Jesus said to carry. Carry your script, carry your purse, and get yourself a sword. Why? Because that's what Jesus told him. So that's what Jesus told. That, that's what he told the person that he baptized into Christ. Yeah, I never really thought about having about them having to defend themselves. Yeah, they were counted among the, the thieves, the crooks. I wonder if they had to defend themselves and we don't read about it. Peter would take that and run with, people would take that and run with it in the wrong direction if we knew what they may have had to do. I think you're right, hey, hey, Alabama. They, they absolutely would have. They, if we knew what the apostles probably had to deal with and had to do, um, I think there's there would there would be, yeah, you're right. It would just be bad. 
but we can infer from what the implication is. Danny Mentor says, great point, Tony. Thank you very much. Um, hold on. There's another comment that I want to get. Bless instead of curse. When someone wrongs us, our natural instinct might be to retaliate. Yeah, it is. Uh, Terry Crooks, uh, you're right there. In fact, you know how I know our natural instinct is to retaliate? Because Jesus told us to turn the other cheek. If it was our natural instinct to turn the other cheek, we wouldn't have to be commanded to turn the other cheek. It's like whenever people, well, you know, women are just naturally submissive and men are just naturally leaders. Then how come there's a commandment for a man to lead and there's a commandment for a woman to submit? Could it be that men are not naturally leaders and women are not naturally submissive? Think about that. That is just, just we can we can tell a lot by human nature, by what we're commanded. <laughs> and what we're warned from. Anyway, sorry, I need to redirect your this good comment here. But bless instead of curse, when someone wrongs us, our natural instincts might be to retaliate. But God encourages a different approach. In 1 Peter 3, 9, it says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with un insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing. Essentially, be kind even when others aren't. Let me tell you something. Do you remember... What was the name of the young man that was so tragically killed? Um, I feel like he might have been a graduate from of Harding. Botham? Botham? Anyway, the outpouring of love from Botham Jean, from Botham Jean's family to that woman that killed him. And look, I think there was some funny stuff around that. I don't think we know everything. But the outpouring of love to that woman that killed Botham Jean from the family of Botham Jean gave her a Bible. The judge, got, well, I think the judge might have given her a Bible and explained to her, you know, there's hope for everybody. It's, it's really making me kind of emotional right now. But I heard some of my brethren who could only focus on race issues actually talk about how terrible it was that the judge did that and, and how terrible it was that both of Gene's family said what they said. And I'm like, how can you claim Christendom? How, how else are you supposed to treat somebody? Even in my imaginary scenario, Bob Johnson, and I hope there's not a Bob Johnson that listens to my podcast because, buddy, I sure have running through the mill in this episode. But Bob Johnson down the road stole everything of value out of my house. I'm still going to have to partner with law enforcement so they can wield the sword of vengeance on my behalf. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna twist the sword once the government sticks it in. In fact, I'm going to try my best to help Bob Johnson. Why? It ain't because I want to, folks. It's because the Bible tells me to do so. 
It's because I want to be like my father, God. Good comment, Terry Crooks. Caleb Diaz, uh, we, we've been all over the place, man. You're going to have to go back from the beginning and watch it. Um, I've seen victims' families in the courtroom go over to the criminal and tell them they forgive them. It's very powerful, yes. Um, <laughs> Danny Minter, yeah, whenever Peter cut off the right ear of Malchus, Jesus told him to put up his sword for now. That's it, yeah, because then wasn't the time to use it. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. This has got to play out. It's not time. You dummy, if you live by that sword, don't you know you're going to die by that thing? People get pretty bent out of shape when a woman does defend herself. They call her names and say she's not a nice person. Maybe they shouldn't make her feel threatened. That's gaslighting. True. True, true. All right, good stuff. Now. Let me go back to uh, let me go to back to the captions. Remember, subscribe Christianity Now streams on YouTube. Help us get to five hundred subscribers. Um, all right, so we've looked at and, and Caleb Diaz. Here's your. We've looked at Matthew five thirty eight through thirty nine, Romans thirteen one through four, and Luke twenty two thirty six, all in the New Testament. And that paints a vivid picture of retaliation and self-defense. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We are not allowed to retaliate. We are not allowed to execute vengeance on an evildoer. That is the civil authority's place. But if someone attacks us, if someone comes into our home to do us harm, we absolutely have the right to use that sword. It could be in the shape of a gun. It could be in the shape of a club. It could be in the shape of a sword. It should be in the shape of a knife. But we absolutely have the right, inalienable, given to us from our Creator, to defend ourselves and our property. I don't know how we can come to any other conclusion. Now, that does not mean that that decision should be entered into lightly. That doesn't mean that we should be glib about it. A flay could be a flail. You got that right. Could be a flail. We do not need to come off as if we're a bunch of bloodthirsty people just waiting on the chance to take somebody's life in the name of self-defense. So that's all I've got to say. Jesus spoke of breaking into a house and meeting a stronger person than themselves and meeting a terrible end. Yes, yeah, so in the context of... Um, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. That's Luke 11. You know, you uh, that what Jesus was trying to teach there doesn't make any sense unless you understand that it is a maxim, in other words, a general truth. So, for instance, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. Well, 
what if a stronger than he binds him and takes his stuff? Well, then that proves that when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are not always at peace. But generally speaking, that's like when the wicked flees, no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I've seen the righteous fail miserably and be timid, and I've seen the wicked be so brash and brazen that they're bold as a lion. That doesn't mean Proverbs 28.1 is wrong. It just means it's a general truth. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. That's a general truth. And it doesn't make any sense what Jesus is trying to teach unless it's not understand understood that a strong man has the right to be armed and to keep his palace. Um, yeah, someone waiting for robbers will be able to protect his belongings. Yeah, think carefully before you make the choice to harm someone. You don't want the consequences that might come with it. You got that right. And in fact, here in Canada, you do not have the right to arm yourself or to, to defend yourself. Y'all, I just know, obviously you folks have been hearing me, but according to the settings that I have on my mixer, you should not be able to hear me at all. But I'm looking, my sound, my sound meter is bouncing and my sound meter is bouncing over here. <laughs> it's not that's crazy okay stranger things have happened all right folks that's all i've got on the issue i got to get off here and, and run some errands uh remember substack aaron dotson is writing his series on romans it's really good and you can you can you can do five dollars a month and you can have access to that series um, Mark McCroy, yeah, the sounds good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. I would assume. Um, oh, yeah, Terry Crooks, Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty-five. Uh, yeah, it, it's it is mine to revenge. I will repay. That's it. God sees everything, and He'll handle justice in His own time. Our job is to focus on love, forgiveness, and treating others well. It is the most hard yet powerful thing to do for someone who wrongs you. Um, see y'all in the funny papers. That's it. And, um, and Tony is Aaron planning to do any audio version of his articles. Uh, you know, I hadn't talked to him about that. I, he, I wish he would. Um, I don't know if he's ready for that, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he would. But anyway, uh, if not, I'm, I'm working. I'm, Y'all, I'm still trying to find a consistent artificial intelligence software where I can feed an article into it and have it and have it do voiceover. Uh, it's out there. In fact, um, I tell you what you can do. Watch this. Uh, YouTube. Wow. Oh, all right. Look here. Here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to go to Christianity Now streams. And there is a five minute video that I want you to watch. I am going to click. I'm going to link it. Copy link address. 
I'm going to put it into the show notes. I mean, into the, not the show notes, into the comment section. Click that link that's five minutes. I took an article that Robert Leedy wrote and I put it in Vishla AI and I was able to prompt it to give me that video. That video is 100% artificial intelligence. I just took the article that Robert Leedy wrote about what does the Bible teach about judging. So if you go watch the video, A, it gives me views and watch time and helps promote it in the algorithm, but B, it lets you see the possibilities of the things that are out there. It is amazing, and quite frankly, it's a little scary because the artificial intelligence narrated that article better than I could. That's not saying a whole lot because I'm not very good at it, but it, it did it better than I could. Anyway, um, we're going to get off here. Sword and Pearl, Diana Harden, thank you so much. Seeing the funny papers, AA Alabama. All right. Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, if you want to subscribe to the podcast. But Christianity Now streams on the road to 500, baby. We want 500 subscribers. We would love for you to help us get there and uh, support us on Substack at $5 a month. Or you can go to um, www.nearchurchesatgmail.com and you can send us uh, you can send us near churches at gmail.com. You can send us as little as a dollar and up to a million dollars. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. What does the Bible teach about the Christian and self-defense? Hopefully I've given you some stuff to chew on and we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>